all my life I had too much self-belief. Whenever there was something, I was like, I can probably do it. And sometimes I couldn't, and then you really, you know, fall. It felt empty. Made a film and then I put it online. It went viral. Now it has 560,000 views. The people loved it. For every 10 compliments, mm -hmm. I got maybe one hate comment. That one hate comment, that stuck to me. That pissed me off. The hate sticks in yeah. my case. Each time you put something out, it is a little piece of yourself. That was a moment that where I was like, hmm, you know, this is a bit scary. Maybe there aren't my people. It's just a process of to come not scared, but comfortable. Ended up being a really positive story about how people can change, you know, mm -hmm. no matter how worse their situations are. Just quickly before we get into today's show, I have a quick favor to ask. Wherever you're listening to this, if you could just smash the subscribe button, it would mean an absolute ton. And it would not only help me now, but also help Rue, Elliot and Gabriela continue building the quarter life crisis and help as many people as possible build a life they love. And with that being said, let's get started with today's show. Yes, Ryan. This is going to be very weird. Yep. But I start all my podcasts with the same question because usually it sets a narrative for the rest of the conversation. Fair. That question is, are you happy? I am relatively happy. Why relatively? Because I'm at a point in my life uh, almost done with studying and uh, I'm really ready to get in the field mm -hmm. instead of uh, sitting in my room all day writing my thesis. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, I'm really ready for the next step, I guess. And I feel a bit like, uh, you know, it's like the in-between phase yep. of student, being a student and working. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and writing a thesis just kind of sucks, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I just have to pass this last big hurdle, I guess, and then I'll be happier. I had quite a mix of emotions before going into this one because I was actually thinking, yeah. we obvi or obviously... For those that don't know, we know each other for well over 10 years by now. Yes. And yet I don't think we've ever really discussed any of the questions that I typically ask in no. my podcast. So I'm quite curious. Do yeah. you think we should chase happiness? Well, I think happiness ideally uh, comes uh, naturally when you do something you love. And if you start chasing it, then it becomes something uh, that you need to have. Yeah, if you chase something, then you'll never really have it, right? I mean, when you're happy you just notice that you're doing something that makes you happy and that you're not chasing that, but you're just doing something that you love. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think we should chase happiness because that also makes it so heavy, you know? Well, happiness should be like light and, 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 and cheerful and just naturally, I guess. For this podcast, I have a guiding research hypothesis and that research hypothesis is that passion gives purpose. What's your thoughts on that? Passion gives purpose. Well, may, yeah, I think so. I mean, if you do something that you're passionate about, then I guess that's your purpose. But I mean, that doesn't have to be work related. Some people work a very boring job, but they get passion out of, I don't know, coaching a football team or doing uh, vrijwilligerswerk. What's it again? Voluntary work. <laughs> Voluntary, <laughs> Voluntary work. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, passion can be uh, about multiple things. Mm hmm. Um, and I mean, if you don't have a passion, some people don't have a passion at all or don't have a purpose. I mean, for my documentary, I go to uh, quite bad neighborhoods and sometimes the people I meet are don't have a job, just sit at home 
and drink and just do fuck all. And then I guess that's their passion or something. Or they don't have a passion. They don't need it. They just want to be left alone and live a minimalistic life. So I don't think anyone necessarily has a passion, right? Not everyone has passion. You no. mean? That? Yeah, exactly. No. With that being said, do you do you have a passion? Uh, smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, playing FIFA. It sounds so stupid. <laughs> no, my passion is uh, I. Well, like I said, I make documentaries, and um, I do love that. And that's something that I'm. I'm lucky that I found a path in life, which mm -hmm. is journalism, that I really enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think you could call that my passion. I'm lucky that that's also going to be my job. Uh, so that's like two birds in one stone. Yeah. I mean, I just like connecting with people and talking to them. And that's basically my job. Mm -hmm. And my job is also to edit documentaries, which I also like, even though it can be very mundane sometimes. Yeah. But then when you have an end product and people like it, that also gives a boost. Yeah. But on the other, other hand, I used to think that um, if I'd get good ratings that then I'd be happy yeah, and exactly. satisfied and that that would be my passion. But that's be not... Before we dive into that further, because we will get into it. Yeah. Obviously, or I know in, in your case that that passion came along or that path that you ended up taking into journalism wasn't your first decision. No. Straight out of the gate, out of high school, what did you end up doing? And more specifically, why did you end up doing it? Well, you know what I did because yeah. you were there. But well, <laughs> I did law. Mm -hmm. for um, half a year and uh, I sucked at it mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's mainly uh, because I just thought it was very boring mm -hmm. but then again the jobs that you can get with studying law are really cool to me still for example my stepdad is a lawyer mm -hmm. and I was sort of maybe um, unconsciously influenced by him as well because he has a cool job he's a attorney and he you know that's a really flashy nice cool job yeah, yeah. but the path to take uh, <laughs> until you get there is a long path filled with boring yep. uh, studying. In his case, he is also, of course, quite a famous lawyer for Dutch standards. Yeah. Do you think maybe that it was actually the fame part that was what attracted you? Because if you look at what you do now, there are overlaps in that sense. Yeah, well, no, not really. I think fame is a result of something you're really good at and should Kay. not be your main goal at all. Mm -hmm. Because then you, I mean, it's so empty, right? If you just want to become famous, well, then you are famous and you're like, well, fuck, this is no fun. I mean, it's funny that you say that now because I recall definitely when five, six years ago, yeah. before everything that happened did happen. Mm -hmm. The goal was always to be famous. Was it? Yeah. No, I don't recall. Or at least fake maybe not news, the goal, maybe not news. the goal, but it was like, I'm going to be. Yeah, the con yeah. The but conviction was there. That's true. But that's also because in my head at the time, uh, being uh, good at my job and successful would involve being known. And it's still true. I mean, if, yeah. if my shit doesn't get watched, then I'm not really, well, I can still be a good journalist. But in my head at that time, it was like the more people you reach, the better it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. What I learned from my stepdad especially is that fame isn't all that fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you go sit at a restaurant, uh, have try have a nice meal and some rando comes joining. <laughs> You know, and uh, you're like, well, and he's, he always said, you always need to be friendly yeah. because else people are going to say, oh, he's so arrogant. Yeah. So he is always friendly, but it's so tiring sometimes, you know, that, yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily uh, all that fun mm. or like uh, he's a, he has a twin brother 
And at some point, his twin brother was at a restaurant sitting with his wife, a blonde lady. And then uh, on RTL Boulevard and in the privé, there were like pictures of them. And it was like, uh-huh, it's with a, a mistress, you know. So <laughs> you get all that shit too. It's just, yeah, yeah. And they can laugh about it because, you know, uh, he wasn't cheating or anything. Yeah. But still, you know, it's all the by products of their fame i guess and Mm -hmm. that's not always nice you know to dive back into what you were already elaborating a little bit on earlier your first sort of experience with fame elaborate a little bit sort of what you did and how that uh, and and what got you to that stage so for my uh for my studies journalism studies at hbo uh which is like applied university i guess uh, I had to do a graduation uh, thing and I always uh, did like pieces that I wasn't really passionate about, about, I don't know, healthcare or some boring shit, you know, I was like, for my last piece, I'm going to do something that I really, really enjoy doing. Yeah. Well, that turned out to be this show, this old show, a Dutch TV show called Probleemwijken, which is basically about the lower side of society, all the bad neighborhoods in Holland. Uh, and back in the days they went in 2005 it was first recorded and then they went to all these bad places and interviewed people and showed a picture of the neighborhood yeah and then years later these people became memes on the internet that's why i know them because i know them as memes so i was like you know what i'm going to try and track them down and i'm going to check if these uh, bad neighborhoods uh, are still bad neighborhoods or if it's like a completely false picture that was being painted yeah so yeah, I went to one uh, in Assen, a small Dutch uh, town, and uh, well, without any expectations, I just, you know, um, made a film of about half an hour, and then I put it online. I was like, well, if I get a thousand views, I'll be perfectly fine. Uh, and then it went viral, and now it has, I guess, five hundred and sixty thousand views. So then I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. unexpected, and yeah. people loved it and uh, wanted more and more and more mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, that was my uh, first uh, experience. Yeah, but not fame. I mean, it's not like, yeah, I get recognized Fair. maybe. Results maybe, or like hot, big results, I guess. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, sometimes a random person recognizes me, but it's not like I'm a celebrity. You no, know? Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's still kind of niche uh, on some level. Yeah. And that's when I just, because what I told you before was that I was always like, uh, oh, I need to score a big, in order to be successful, you need views. And to some extent, that's true. But on the other hand, it also felt kind of empty Mm -hmm. because then I had 500K and I had comments and everybody was, you know, praising it. And then I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Life goes on. I mean, uh, yeah, it's nice that some random guy says, oh, well done. I loved it. And then the funny part is as well, for every 10 compliments, Mm-hmm. I got maybe one hate comment or even less, but that one hate comment that stuck to me, and I was mm-hmm. like, well, "Who the fuck do you think you are?" You know, that pissed me off. That kept me thinking. Yeah. So it's kind of weird that no matter how much praise you get online, yeah, uh, the hate sticks. In yeah. my case, and hopefully a bit less, a bit less now, but still, you know, it's a yeah. ongoing process because I'm still a beginner. Obviously, yeah, I've only made two documentaries, and the second one it got even worse. Right, that specific. 
Yeah, it was still a lot of praise, but also people started uh, yeah, to hate on me. <laughs> like there was this whole uh, uh, um, forum, Re Reddit, you know, you know it. Mm -hmm. And there was this whole thread about my new documentary. And everybody was bashing me in the comments like, oh, who the fuck does he think he is? He's such a jerk. You know, and I was like, that really, I was like, who the fuck are you? First of all, mm -hmm. I got mad, which mm -hmm. is usually my first response, which is usually <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, really yeah, helpful. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I was also like, how can these people without knowing me, have mm -hmm. such an opinion and the people yeah. watched the whole thing it was an hour long the people watched an hour of it till the credits and then they wrote like such a fucking huge uh, article or like a, um, a post yeah about it being shit and me being shit yeah i was first of all like fuck you and second of all why would you watch it for an hour yeah when you hate it and then also feel the need to write like a proper article yeah, about how yeah. much you fucking hate me and hate it <laughs> Uh, and uh, that was for me new because yeah. the first time I was obviously just a student uh, doing something he loved and people saw that and they appreciated it. Second time, people also still appreciated it a lot, but there was more backlash, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but then I talked about uh, to my stepdad about that, to my mom, she's also a journalist and my dad as well. And, you know, it's just like in life, that's always going to happen when you put something out. Not everybody's going to like it. People are going to have an opinion about mm -hmm. it. And if people wouldn't have an opinion about it, it would also be shit, you know? It, it reminds me when we were in the hotel, <clears throat> we uh, we would very regularly have customers that would then indeed eat the entire plate clean, almost lick it clean, and then be like, <laughs> it tastes like shit. Yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, what the fuck is your problem? But people uh, are always <laughs> going to find something to bitch about. Yeah. And they're free to do so. Let, but just for me, and maybe also for you, uh, it's uh, it's good to let that go. And to not let that influence your actions mm -hmm. or even your feelings. Because at the end of the day, you don't know these people. Uh, you don't have a connection to them. Mm -hmm. So who the fuck cares what they think? Yeah. I sh yeah. And that's really been a process for me to try and let that go. And be like, you know, who are you? I mean, you go put something out yourself then if you... No, but that's still... No, I shouldn't say that because then you still get into that anger uh um yeah, yeah. emotion yeah i shouldn't even be angry i should be okay yeah fine it's mm. your opinion exactly carry on with my day yeah but that's a process. but i think that's yeah exactly that's definitely a you only get to know that by by trying right or by yeah. doing yeah it's not at the level that you are at but i've had my own experience it with a few times where you end up getting <laughs> super random like hate comments on tiktok for for no reason whatsoever no. just some dude who's having a bad day and he's like some creative ones yeah yeah the, uh, adult toddler <laughs> for example <laughs> where he's not wrong, right? <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah i was i was talking to yasin last week in in london yeah and he um he has a new approach to dealing with these people because he would have the same he'd have somebody who just trolled on on tiktok yeah and he's now trying the approach of being radically positive oh yeah so whenever someone leaves a comment like just just send like almost a uh, quite elaborate text of like i know you're probably going through something i'm sorry you feel this way mm. i hope you have a great day and whatever it is that you're struggling with blah blah yeah. blah yeah and he's been doing this quite a lot now and as a result actually sees sort of an improvement people either delete the comment or you know yeah and i saw you doing that as well exactly actually. respond with with you know more positivity back and be like hey indeed sorry was a dick move or whatever something like that yeah but for you as well i mean 
for my hate comments there were like maybe a hundred positive ones and for you it's maybe one on one or yeah exactly or two on in one in some cases yeah so like what how do you deal with that then does it bum you out a lot or does yes it, yeah. <laughs> yeah um no at times it's definitely it's it's a, it's a struggle yeah because when it's re not really taking off yet or something that i've really been struggling with at the moment where you're like i'm I'm talking as if I'm an authority on a certain topic, mm -hmm. but I'm not necessarily one yet. Mm -hmm. It's hard for certain people to take you seriously. Mm -hmm. um, and and I get that. I, I even, I, you know, try and figure out other ways in order to claim that authority to at least practice what I, what I preach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then, you know, you always have friends who are super supportive, but then yeah. never comment which mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that the friendship doesn't matter. Like people don't have to necessarily come. But in the beginning, when yeah. you start creating something where you put something out there with regularity, yeah. each time you put something out, it is a little piece of yourself, right? So yeah. you, you hope that those people who you consider your friends understand that in the same way and are super love it equally. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, what I've come to realize at least is that the only one that loves it that much is actually you. Yeah. Um, and also you have to account for maybe the people, your friends are, just aren't your target group. No. Right. Like, no, that's, that's also a struggle. So, and how do you pick yourself up then from that negative feeling? Seeing the bigger picture, mm -hmm. knowing in that sense that I, I think I contribute to something. Yeah. Looking at the smaller messages that I get, there's been a few people already who are like, Hey, because of you, I end up doing this and that yeah. because of you, I'm giving it a shot i'm trying something new yeah and also luckily there's plenty of people who still tell me with regularity also a lot of my guests who are like this is worth something keep yeah. going yeah um, but to say it's easy that would be an understatement like, yeah yeah there's very regular that you're like yeah what the fuck am i doing it for because what are you doing it for that also you also still in the mindset that views that you want a lot of views basically right <sighs> I don't think I, I don't necessarily want a lot of views, but I would want um, sort of credit, I guess, like mm -hmm. in the sense of what I'm putting in is being returned. So if that only means like two, three thousand views per episode, cool. You yeah, know, that's yeah. two, three thousand people that I'm helping on a regular basis. Yeah, fine. That's enough for me. But to get to that stage in the beginning is is quite a build up and also to earn from it like yeah i think that's actually more important i'm doing this because i just love doing it yeah and the thought of having to do some other boring office job mm -hmm. like even if it is in marketing or content creation it's just it will never be this no but on the other hand like i've also had this uh, uh because now i'm going to work almost and I also thought like maybe I should just do YouTube full time. Yeah. But simply uh, I could make money off it, but not enough. And I talked to my mom about this and she was also like, yeah, but it shouldn't be like that. You need to produce and produce and produce uh, because you need to live. Yeah. So my uh, perspective now is that I'm going to take a journalism job. I don't know, editor somewhere. Yeah. Uh, four days a week and then one day a week for my YouTube. And then I'm financially free to do so without anyone um you know breathing down my, my neck like oh you need to publish yeah. publish publish and then i see it as like my creative playground and my very own yeah p podium basically and then 
then I really put my effort into creating beautiful shit. And then if people dig it, that's fine. Uh, but I don't expect to live from it yet. You know? yeah, yeah. So that gives me a bit more, yeah, a bit less stress, I guess. I think what is definitely a difference between you and me when it comes to that, though, is the fact that you have no problem with being an employee, right? Like you can work for people and that's fine to you. If it's a nice job. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I really have an issue an issue when it comes to that. I really yeah. get very, very triggered when people tell me what to do. Yeah, well, in the same, same, but I mean... But in a... Di- like, I don't know. At some point, I then obsess about every annoying detail. Like, even the fact that I have to work a 9 to 5, then that, that pisses me off. Or Yeah, but there could be a job out there that's really... Uh, you know, I mean, everybody's going to start somewhere, that's first of all. Yeah. And you can, of course, grow into it and get a really nice, yeah, creative job where they, you know, let you do your thing. Yeah. I mean, that would be my ideal situation. Yeah. Or like, for example, if I become work at the NOS, which is like a Dutch broadcasting service for uh, yeah, journalism, journalism, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, then you do cool shit. You go out uh, to, I don't know, uh, uh, demonstrations or, or, you know, you, you, you go out there and film the news yeah exactly the news yeah i mean that to me is not really doesn't feel like i'm working feels like i'm doing shit that i love yeah so then i I, yeah and then of course you still have a boss but yeah i mean if you produce good uh uh, news stories then you're fine you know yeah i mean at times i definitely still see myself going back into that i could imagine at some point the like because there is also a lot of stress that comes with starting your own company and yeah. and also a lot of accountability and self-dependence. And if you don't show up, nothing's there. And also just money. I mean, you're yeah. becoming a father. You yeah. need to, to mm. uh, <laughs> I mean, even I need money to live and I only have my myself to care for. You yeah, exactly. So you need some sort of basis income. And I think at a job, you can also learn certain uh, capabilities that, yep. that otherwise you wouldn't have known. Because let's face it, we're still beginners. We're 26. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's quite young mm-hmm. <laughs> still. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, it's also a place where you can develop yourself if you find the right job, of course. Because yeah. that's maybe the issue that you don't want a boring, mundane um job where you do something that you don't really support right yeah i think yeah it's it's not just that i think it's also just i have a certain way of how i think content should be distributed and displayed as a company mm-hmm. and a lot of companies aren't on board on that that doesn't mean they're not there but a lot aren't necessarily on that same path yet mm-hmm um, because it's less sales driven, more focused on providing value. Yeah. Meaning that the one-on-one conversion is much harder to be found. And as a result, it makes it much harder to find a company that's looking for that. Okay. Yeah. So when you're then like, okay, I want remote mm-hmm. part-time, uh, with the content approach that I enjoy doing, yeah. Uh, in general, being a content creator, by the way, remotely is incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, to then indeed add on to that part-time remote content creator is almost impossible. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But well, I, I, I'm curious. Let's see if I can make it work. Yeah, but of course, yeah. You're, you already mentioned you're doing your master in journalism now. Yeah. As that comes to a close, mm-hmm. 
is there any like level of worry or insecurity about the next stage of your life i guess the sort of student period study period finally being over mm -hmm. no uh, i'm really excited to begin the next phase of my life um also because i have really clear in my mind what i would like to do mm -hmm. uh in the journalism field well not not perfect but just i have an indication of which organizations i'd like to work with and the thing is with my masters in journalism i mean you basically get in easier because it's like the highest level of education for a journalist, except if you do a PhD, but then you're kind of crazy. <laughs> but, you know, so it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's easier to get in. Yep. Uh, and I'm lucky that I do have some contacts, uh, you know, that can also maybe help me a bit with getting into to a place. Mm -hmm. And as of a whole, yeah, I don't really have that quarter life crisis, to be honest. So maybe I'm a bad guest, but no, no. no. No, I, I don't... Uh, Maybe it's still coming. Yeah, no, well, yeah, <laughs> I think so. No, uh, no, if anything, I'm looking forward to the next phase and I'm kind of done with being a student. Yeah. Also because I'm poor, you know, and uh, all my friends are basically working and yeah. I'm still studying and it's just, I, I would like also to have some uh, regularity in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, I think having a job will kind of um, shoot me into the more adult lifestyle, I guess, mm -hmm. and uh, give me the the rhythm that I need yep. to uh, also become more productive, you know? So, yeah, I don't really uh, feel like um, I'm, I'm afraid of it. No, I'm, yeah. I'm just like, come on, let it let yeah, exactly. come here, you know? Uh, yeah. Let's make it happen. One question that has organically become a bit of a recurring question is, what was the time you nearly quit And what made you keep going? Mm. Is there any situation that comes to mind? Well, no, well, not really. Yeah, there have been plenty of occasions during my... Uh, because at first I did HBO and now I do university. And then I had to do statistics all of a sudden. And uh, I suck at that. So at that point I was like, you know, mm, is this for me? Uh, <laughs> how the fuck am I going to get through this? Yeah. Uh, but then uh, I've always been also kind of lucky, to be honest, with, with students that I just got the benefit of the doubt or, you know, that, <laughs> that they would, okay. I had to do some extra assignment, but they would still let me on. So I guess I always got saved by the bell mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if that's, uh, what do you call that? Luck? Uh, there's this word, gun factor, maybe right, it's okay, that, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. what's that in English? Gun factor. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, we'll translate mm -hmm. it, won't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But just uh, in the subtitles, <laughs> yeah. uh, I just yeah. think that's something that I got away with a lot of things that maybe I shouldn't have. But still, I mean, now um, I'm almost through it. So I'm mm -hmm. really thankful that, uh, yeah, I just kept doing it. But I haven't been also with the documentary. Of course, it was hard as fuck. And yeah, maybe I do have, for my second documentary, I went to this uh, Problemwijk Woenselwest in Eindhoven, which is a city in the south, and I first got there without a camera, uh, just on by myself, and then I rung the door of one of the biggest old memes from the old show, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, his wife opened the door, and she was shouting like, oh, get the fuck out of here, you know, and just really became really angry at me, and then the whole neighbor just sort of like walked outside, and mm -hmm. I was like really scared, I was like, holy shit, you know these people are uh, rough, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. then I was like, I went in the train back home. I was like, is this for me, you know? Yeah, is yeah. It, uh, this is a bit scary, you know? Mm -hmm. um, uh, but it took time to 
to gain their trust and I had the help of people from the neighborhood who wanted to help me. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, that was a moment that where I was like, hmm, you know, this is maybe not, uh, this is a bit scary, you know, yeah. this is, uh, these people, maybe they aren't my people. Mm. But the thing is, you need to uh, get through that shield that they put up basically. Because yeah, yeah. of course, they just don't like media because they've been screwed by the media mm. before. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, yeah, it's just a process of, of gaining trust and, for me as well to, to also become not scared around them but comfortable and, yeah you know that's a lot of people would probably not really bat an eye at these people you're talking about because clearly in most situations they live in sort of the less developed yeah. neighborhoods of the netherlands yeah do you feel at all like you're a bit of a robin hood speaking up for almost the poor in that sense to make an analogy no, I don't feel like Robin Hood, but I do feel uh, that these people that I meet, mm -hmm. even though they may appear rough and uh, yeah, sometimes scary, but yep. when you get through them, yeah, they really open up to you. And as a journalist, it's really nice that when I have a camera guy with me and he points his huge camera at them, that they uh, still stay themselves instead of putting up an act because there's a camera. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. think in a, uh, for a lot of people, when they see a camera, they kind of like probably think, oh, that's a big camera. Oh, I, I need to, you know, maybe uh, make myself nicer than I am. Yeah. And yeah. these people are really pure and yeah. uh, and they are themselves, maybe because they have nothing to lose. I don't know. But I see the beauty in that, basically. In, yeah. In the, in the, and I think a lot of people are really intrigued by these people because they live such different lives from normal normal people yeah exactly you know? yeah so um i i don't see myself as like uh, a robin hood is like these people are i just see myself as sort of yeah just documenting their lives yeah. and showing people that they are also uh funny or mm -hmm. um, um fine right like yeah or just have emotions and have uh, uh, struggles yeah. as well and yeah. just show, show real life basically mm. Because if you look at the telly and the talk shows, I mean, is that real life? No, it's mm. probably... It's you, I've done my internship at a talk show and it's mainly politicians, mm. famous people, artists, uh, you know, uh, yeah. people who've done something extraordinary. You don't see the normal uh, society uh, on at the talk show tables. Yep. And that's what I... I, I mean, my uh, um, stars are also not the normal society, but it is a different side of society that barely gets any attention in media, I think. Do you want, do you want to talk about the second one or yeah, legally fine. not allowed? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm allowed. Fuck, fuck, yeah, because <laughs> uh, obviously, or obviously, you you made a second documentary. Obviously, the first one got like half a million more yeah. uh, views, went insanely good, and then you go and make a second version. Yeah, Let's go through the whole process again, edit after like six months of work, right? Uh, six months of pre work. Yeah, exactly. Their trust. I went there 10 times maybe and just, yeah. uh, you know, and then filming for three days and then indeed six months more of editing. Yeah. Also because I'm a beginner and yeah, okay. yeah. I was a bit autistic, like it needs to be, it's my baby, you know, yeah, so yeah. it yeah. needs to be perfect and uh, yeah. Or I remember for you it was a little bit like, okay, was the first one lucky or was it, yeah. um, or was it actually because I had something good? You yeah. put it out, end up getting 420, I think at its max, right? Yeah, 40, I guess. Yeah, something like that. Thousand views again. Yeah. Um. And then the people behind the original show mm -hmm. end up taking it offline. Yeah. How does that make you feel? 
shitty. Mm. <laughs> no, the, the people, uh, because I used some old footage um, to illustrate how it was back then and how it is now. Mm-hmm. And legally, that footage belongs to Talpa, the mm-hmm. company behind SBS, which is where it first appeared. And uh, Talpa is a huge company, and I think they have 20 lawyers just roaming the internet for anything that has their um, uh, stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And of course, mine got a lot of traction. And I'm also kind of critical about the way they uh, dealt with things. I was about to say, because do you really think it's because you used the footage or more because of the... Well, I called the lawyer and uh, she was really uh, saying that it's purely about the footage and that, of course, I'm allowed to express my uh, uh, criticism. Mm -hmm. Um, And she also said that if I uh, take out all of the old footage, then uh, it should be fine again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... That's just kind of, um, you need to see how it was, you know, you need the old footage to see what it's like now and how these people have changed. Yeah. So it's just kind of a bummer. And, and then I approached them, but well, you know, this goes really well, uh, on my small, relatively small YouTube channel. So maybe, uh, you know, why not, uh, cooperate with each other yeah exactly uh but it's still quite sensitive for them because the series had a lot of backlash in one neighborhood uh, there were there were riots and everything mm-hmm. and uh but they, on them be, because of their show okay uh, yeah the, the whole neighborhood rioted and also well they were just doing for example in my second documentary there's one guy case kachel is his name mm-hmm. and in one shot he goes to visit a prostitute mm-hmm. and he still and he has a, a microphone on now what what happens sbs destines the the makers they were mm-hmm. like uh, here case you got 50 euros how about you go there to the prostitute and you keep your mic on right mm. so that's just that's a bit morally coerced. Yeah, <laughs> that's just not really morally acceptable anyway. Yeah, uh, and then this guy still after eighteen years, he's being called uh, hey, you dirty old, uh, you know, this yeah, and that. Yeah. because of that one moment that got aired on national television as well. Yeah, and is now having a second life on the internet. So they basically fucked his life up yeah. because they wanted to score. Yeah, and that's something that I went to that guy I was like well what was the impact on your life and uh, you know how was that for you and yeah. he was of course being a bit negative about uh, yeah. SBS so yeah uh, they really do not want any PR or any more attention to that series mm-hmm. it's like a trauma for them I mm-hmm. guess and me poking around in it uh, <laughs> isn't really nice for them no uh, but yeah and they have power let's face it they, they have a whole legal team and I'm a student uh, who doesn't have that yeah. Uh, so, and at the end of the day, technically, they're probably right because I didn't get the old footage the legal way. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, uh, I'm afraid that uh, this is the end of the series for now. Right. So you made your mind up there that you're not gonna do a version three then. Well, uh, that's going to be really difficult if I don't get the old footage because yeah. you want to see the old memes basically and see what it's like with them now yeah maybe i can think of some way that we have like a screen which shows it and they watch that screen or something you know you mm. can be creative about that yeah but for now uh, i think it's uh best to leave it for a little bit anyway because i remember in your first episode at some point you're speaking to a lady who indicated that as a result of this show she couldn't 
get a job, right? Yeah. And still is struggling. Yeah. Still. Well, she's doing better now, but indeed she couldn't get a job. Uh, mm-hmm. Her her kids weren't invited at birthday parties uh, from other kids because she was the mother and yeah. they knew her as that asocial woman. Because yep. in the show she was really uh, mad and drunk and mm-hmm. just... just uh, not a, not a particularly nice human being, but then, eighteen years later, uh, she talked to me and she's completely changed. Right? She went to the uh, to the clinic to get sober. She yeah. went through this whole process of basically healing herself. Uh, she also moved out of that neighborhood, and now she's a completely different, normal, really nice woman. Yeah. Uh, but she still gets that stigma from the show eighteen years ago, you know. So yeah, exactly. And she, and that for her did, for her my episode was sort of redemption, and people in the comments like loved her because she was so different than what she used to be. Yeah. And she's really put the work in to change. Yeah. So it was a really ended up being a really positive story about how people can change, you know, mm-hmm. no matter how worse their situations are. Yeah, so that was good. If you're anything like me, entrepreneurship and being a creator has given me the life of freedom that I have so long looked for. But in order to allow me to continue doing that, I have to keep my paperwork in order, meaning that invoices have to be sent, my taxes have to be done, all receipts should be saved in the same place. And this was something that frustrated me for years until I found Moneybird. And luckily, they have decided to sponsor the Core Life Crisis podcast. So if you're like me and you're looking for one tool where you can send your invoices, send invoice reminders, store all your contacts, store your receipts, figure out how you should do your taxes, and you're a creator or entrepreneur in the Netherlands, then Moneybird is the tool for you. It has saved me so much time and hassle, and I can strongly recommend. So with that, thanks for listening and let's get back into today's show going a little bit back to your sort of upcoming graduation and also you knowing or having figured out your own life i guess a little bit or what you want to do that's yeah. maybe the better what yeah. have an uh, idea of what you want to do mm-hmm. mm, do you do you have any like advice is maybe difficult because you haven't done it yet but do you have any like thoughts about if you're in this quarter life crisis situation and you're trying to figure out what path to take after university how people could figure that part out mm, yeah i think you need to be really introspective and uh, really find out yeah that's such an open door but like you need to find out what you makes you happy and what you love doing mm-hmm. um for example what you had with the whole uh, if you like animals you can and you're not a veterinarian veterinary, yeah 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 uh, then you look at other ways to work with animals or when you yeah i don't know it's difficult because if you really don't know what you want uh it's difficult to find something right and for some yeah. people i mean for some people a job will never make them happy because they just have other things that make them happy yeah. and then a job is just a means to get by uh you know and it can still you can still have great co-workers or like uh, banter all day you know uh, mm. i mean that's also important i think you just need to start somewhere see if it fits uh you know uh maybe see keep your um eyes open for new um uh possibilities as well yep right fair enough yeah but i don't yeah it's difficult it's really difficult do you think you will have a quarter life crisis well it should be happen fast then because i'm uh, 26 now <laughs> fair uh, you get the idea maybe a midlife crisis yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i'm more of a midlife crisis guy mm-hmm Think may I think honestly, <laughs> I think honestly, once I've really, like, 
really succeeded in my profession. Mm -hmm. So, for example, my dream is to be a a talk show host eventually, um, you know, and I can imagine that once I hit that dream and I become one and I do that for two years, Mm -hmm. then you've basically had it all. And then you're rich and you're 50 and, you know, you've got everything you want. Yeah. And that then the realization is like, okay, you know, and now what? Yeah, exactly. I think for now I have too much of a career to to play that game yeah and to um try and accomplish that game i see it as a game basically you know yeah uh, it's an interesting approach yeah and then when you've gone through that i think that's when it's going to hit me right when i'm all lonely and wifeless and childless <laughs> I focus on my career all the time yeah, and yeah, i'm yeah. gonna wake up one day and be like what the fuck have i done you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah but not really quite no i'm uh i'm too um yeah, I don't know. Just don't really. Uh, Fair enough. Feel That's okay. That. Yeah. Don't have to make it up if you don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> really okay. Happen. Do you think there's any downsides to chasing your passion? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> if you're really passionate about something, it's going to cost a lot of hours if you want to make it. If you want to make it successful, I guess you need to grind. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's frustrating, especially for me. For example, with editing. I mean, I knew I uh, wanted to do this, but uh, I had no idea how to edit. Mm. And that caused a lot of frustration and a lot of anger and a lot of YouTube videos, endless YouTube videos, you know, or crashing equipment. And, you know, <laughs> really, I was really pissed about that. So it's not always uh, fun and games, is it? Yeah. Oh, I can imagine when you're a footballer and that's your passion and uh, it sucks to train every day and never be able to go out and do fun shit, you know? Yeah. So I think there's always two uh, sides to a coin. Or I was talking to Derek this morning. He's a business coach, yeah. but he started as a professional basketballer. Oh, yeah. And we had an interesting discussion because he said at some point he was at this similar crossroads, I guess, yeah. where he's like, okay, I can either commit now mm-hmm. and try and get to like Spanish or German leagues. Yeah. Or I can figure out something else. Mm-hmm. And his self-awareness, which I really resonated with because I had similar issues with my music career, made him end up deciding to not go the basketball route, but instead try sports marketing. And that led him to to ending up becoming a business coach and actually very happy as a result. And we, we discussed the question of, do you think people always inherently know what they want to do? No, no. You don't think so? No, I think a lot of people, especially if you look at all the HBO studies, like, like for example, human resource management. No offense, but I don't think that there's anyone who steps out of bed and is like, oh my God, I know what I want to be. Mm-hmm. I want to be in human resource management. You know, this, and then, but then, <laughs> like I said, this uh, means to an end. Yeah. Because maybe they love, uh, I don't know, uh, going to the theater or acting or uh, playing sports a lot more than their work. I mean, mm-hmm. at some point, people are going to have to find a job. I mean, it's sadly how it works without a basis in coma. Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. at some point. <laughs> but um, Or let me... Let me rephrase the question because it, the, the topic was more about the fact of self-belief. Yeah. And knowing in that sense your own abilities. And we made the distinction between people who really make it as DJs, as pro ballers, as musicians, whatever you want. They have a certain level of self-belief yeah. that gets them to that stage. Yeah. If you don't have that, you won't make it. Yeah. 
that is maybe the better question. I think that's actually true. And I actually think all my life I had too much self-belief at some point. You know, I, I whenever there was something, I was like, I, I can probably do it. Yeah. And sometimes I couldn't. And then you really, you know, yeah, yeah. fall. Yeah. But on the other hand, you at least try it then. Yeah. I also read this uh, research. I don't know this, the, the exact numbers. But it was about women and men applying for jobs that are above what they can. Yeah. And somehow uh, most women, if they see, a, uh, how do you say that? Uh, an advertisement yeah, a, for a job. Yeah, job uh, requirements. Yeah, they they check it. And if they on, they only apply if they have 100% of every requirement. Yeah, I think it was 90, but I, 90, I know whatever. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Whereas men are like with 40% <laughs> or say they're like, oh, I can probably yeah. do it. Let's yeah, uh, give yeah. it a shot. <laughs> and then... Yeah. And if you have uh, confidence in that sense, then even though it might be false, but if you uh, sort of radiate confidence, the people who who are going to interview you are going mm. to be like, oh, okay, well, he's confident, you know. Yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. And he can probably do it, yeah. even though you might maybe can't, but then you learn on the job. Yeah. It's like the opposite of imposter syndrome, I guess, and yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, I can do it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, again, if I can do it, he can. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I also have that... in. Fake it till you make it, I guess. Then. Well, for example, with me, my documentaries, I need to go in front of a camera and present. Mm. And I had never done that. Mm. And I was like, how difficult can it be, you know? And It's not entirely true, except for our yeah. <laughs> side project situation. Yeah, okay, fair <laughs> enough. That, Let's that was... not give people a reason to look that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, sorry, no. go on. Yeah. <laughs> no, but then uh, I, I didn't have no ex- any experience whatsoever, but I just did it. Mm. And then at first I was nervous as fuck, of course, but I did it. Yeah. But then the second time I was like, okay, potentially half a million people are watching while I do this. Yeah. So that gets in your head. But mm. then you just need to forget that and just be natural and say what you mm. see or what you experience or just present it. Yeah. You know, and then uh, it, it's it's fine, you know. Yeah. But you if you go into that situation and be like, oh, no, I can't present because I've never done it. And it's scary. And uh, I'm probably not good enough because uh, I've never done it. It's like a fishy circle. Like, yeah, yeah. I've never done it, so I probably can't. Whereas yeah, I'm exactly. like, I've never done it, but fuck it. I think I can, you know. And yeah, because I just said, fake it till you make it. Yeah. Do you believe you are, or do you believe yourself you are faking it? Or do you th- just think you can? Yeah, no, I don't think I'm faking it. Um, because... Uh, journalism is also what what I said, just connecting to people and plugging in on them mm. and then asking the right questions to get the response you desire or the response that's relevant. Yeah. And I mean, I'm kind of a social guy, so that's half of the job. <laughs> and so I don't think I'm, and, and my mom's a journalist, so it's in my genes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so no, I don't think I'm necessarily faking it. Uh, but uh, there is some truth in that, I guess, because I think everyone who is beginning in a career path is sort of faking it. Yeah. I have this friend, I won't mention his name, but uh, <laughs> he is uh, a consultant now. Uh, okay. And he has to consult uh, big companies and he's just started out. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, it was his first gig and he had to give an advice. And the company was like, oh, but uh, have you done this before? You know, how, how can you be so sure? <laughs> and he was like, oh, no, but no, he didn't <laughs> say that because you're not allowed to say that. Yeah, yeah. The company disallows it. But then he also had to make something up. But I mean, you need to start somewhere, right? Yeah. And then you are faking it in a sense. Mm-hmm. But I think that's normal if you start out because you don't have the experience yet that you um, ideally would have or something. right? Yeah. 
and everyone, yeah, then you're sort of faking it, yeah, but yeah. that's normal. And by fa- if you fake it, if you fake long enough, you start becoming good at it. You at least start believing it. Yeah, yeah, but also you start actually, well, in any field, you start working and you get experience and then eventually you're not faking that anymore because you're doing your job. We have a recurring segment on the show. I'll do my little magic trick now and pull out my jar. Uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Shouldn't we do it better like clapping? Yeah, and exactly, then, and then I'll cut it in. No, you do. I clap, oh. you... You clap. And you put it... Okay, in let's, uh, let's do it. <laughs> Great. I'm not going to cut any of that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. In the jar are community questions that I collected. Of course. I'd invite you to take one out, read out the question, who asked it, and uh, your response to it. Okay. Chances high, you'll probably know one of the people. <laughs> At what age did you lose your virginity? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no. How do you get uh, out of self-doubt moments from your girlfriend? Yeah. Uh, how do you get out of self-doubt moments? Uh, yeah, and that's how... <laughs> There we go again. I don't really doubt myself that often, <laughs> even though maybe I should. No, and that's maybe really arrogant or something to say, but well, maybe, yeah, I mean, for example, with dating life, because I'm still single mm. and I do try uh, the dating apps or whatever, <laughs> yeah. but uh, and I have matches, but it just doesn't really work out a lot. So then I'm like, okay. Um, is it me? On? Yeah, exactly. Am I that <laughs> <laughs> appalling? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, th- I guess those are more than that I doubt myself. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, when you go out and you have a nice conversation with a girl, for example, I mean, I just think you shouldn't, you can have those thoughts and it's okay to have them and you maybe need to reflect on them and be mm-hmm. like, well, why, why would I think that? And is there any truth in this? But then you shouldn't, uh, be stuck in them I guess yeah you just need to go out again try and maybe fail but maybe also not fail and yeah, then, yeah and yeah at some point you're gonna get out of self-doubt I guess but it's not really I'm not a uh, authority a on this doughty kind of guy no not but well yeah maybe with dating life yeah. then you know then I could be doubtful about like I mean you're getting a fucking kid and you're having a relationship for years and a lot of my friends yeah, some are still single fortunately shout out to you guys <laughs> uh, yeah. so um in in our age uh you have people getting married people getting kids people still studying like me mm. uh, people still drinking every weekend exactly like me uh, mm. uh, smoking weed like yeah. me <laughs> uh, and and just also really serious people or ma- people making careers so yeah. it's a really confusing age in that sense yeah that uh, there's also not really, uh, and of course there there's not really one path that's normal, right? I mean, anything can be possible at mm-hmm. our age. That's mm-hmm. also the beauty of it, I think. Not just at our age. At any age, but I mean, it's it's kind of sad if you still go out every fucking day when you're yeah. fifty. I guess. Yeah. I know it's going to be super hypothetical, but. To ask a bit further on the idea of relationships, obviously you're quite an ambitious guy as far as career goes. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts about how you're going to be able to combine relationship and career? 
should it eventually come around? Well, for that, I would need to have one. Yeah. No. That's uh, why I said it's super hypothetical. Combine but. it. Um, yeah, well, ideally, my life wouldn't be all career. I, I think that's unhealthy, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to have a girlfriend who's also uh, who also has her own career, you know. Uh, yeah, it's really... Like, my longest thing was, like, six months, so I've never really experienced... A, rela- a proper relationship so it's really hard to imagine that as well you know yeah yeah because uh like living together for example i mean i really don't know how i how i would deal with that yeah yeah you know because i like to be alone as well and uh, yeah i guess i need space sometimes so yeah it's but uh, you make it work right so yeah yeah how about you answer that you're the uh, authority on this a lot of communication in most cases, over-communicate even. How do you over-communicate? You can talk about something yesterday, mm-hmm. and a day later you talk about it again, mm-hmm. and a day later you talk about it again. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially from my perspective as a male, mm-hmm. often you think, ah, we've spoken about it, so it'll be fine. Yeah. It's probably better to over-communicate and sort of make sure that you're still aligned and yeah. that... You know, everybody's clear what's going on. Do you have an example? Do I have an example? Um, a lot of the times I get very caught up in, in the editing process. Obviously, mm-hmm. I do most of the editing, at least for the long form stuff that I put out. Yeah. And I have this annoying habit of editing and then we go for a walk, for example, and then I come back. And I go and do a quick, I look at it quickly and that ends up being half an hour, mm, yeah. uh, even though the intention was to go cook dinner at that moment together. Yeah. right? And I said I would go and do it together, but because I go upstairs, I'm like, oh, just quickly. And then yeah. before you know it, half an hour passes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do that once, fine. Mm-hmm. If you do that five, six times a week, yeah. then it starts getting annoying, especially yeah. when Kira in this case is like, hey, I told you this. I've cooked six days, <laughs> six days this week. Yeah. How about you do something? Yeah. Besides me having to be more aware of the fact that I do that, essentially a, a downfall of myself. Mm-hmm. Also over communicating and being like, hey, I'm going upstairs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to quickly do this. I will be back in half an hour or yeah. I will set a timer or, um, you know, that at least everybody knows what, the deal is. And yeah. that's what I guess I mean with over-communicate, how I'm trying to solve at least that issue at the yeah. moment. So yeah. there's multiple things, but yeah. I find that over-communicating is often the solution to to dealing with at least that problem. Yeah, yeah, um, fair. Which is only going to get more now with the kid on the way, of course. Um, yeah, so yeah. a lot of communication. Yeah. But uh, the question was also about combining ambition with... Um, yeah, uh, passion with with relationship fair. Yeah. Um, very journalistic of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I'm still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. Um, because for one, I'm very new to this. Mm-hmm. Right now, everybody is still super excited about it. Kira is very supportive of me. I mm-hmm. can only praise her for being so. She's very calm. Yeah. She sees the potential in it as much as I do. Yeah. But I'd run something where the 
potential of it scaling is relatively unknown. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can do a lot to improve, mm -hmm. but whether or not it will actually explode within one year mm -hmm. or whether it will explode within three, four years mm -hmm. is questionable. Yeah. Now, with um, a child on the way or in general, as it, it, it just costs money right now. There is yeah. nothing coming in from it, right? It's, no. it's just costing more and more money. Yeah. And I think at some point I could imagine no matter how much or like, let me just put it this way. I would understand if she ends up getting annoyed mm -hmm. by the fact that it continuously like, hey, you said probably be a year. Now we're going on three years. Yeah. When's that ball going to drop? Is yeah. it going to drop? Right. Yeah. Because, at, at, for example, at, at what point are you going to be like, OK, maybe this doesn't work. Right. I mean, that's the question. Ideally, it doesn't happen like that, but. It could happen. Which sort of relates back to the discussion we were talking about earlier as far as the self-belief and the conviction that it's going to work. Because if I start in this now with the yeah. assumption that it won't work. Yeah, then it's not going to work. Exactly. But and that is why it's like, phew, yeah, it's it's a lot to balance because yeah. it's not just it's not just myself anymore. Right. No, no, no. Where you do start to question quite regularly and that is also where over communicating comes back in mm -hmm. like i have to check in with her super regular to see is it still okay yeah are we still fine yeah um the moment she starts indicating that it's starting to bother mm -hmm. i'm not necessarily saying that i then quit mm -hmm. that's maybe too quick yeah but it's definitely that's going to then make certain things me reconsider certain things yeah yeah. No. But I mean, I think it, that's also only with her. Anybody else has doubts. Yeah. I, I don't care. No, no. Um, but I think in order to, you know, also not have my relationship go at the cost of what, which is something that I've asked this question, obviously, multiple times. Mm -hmm. And that is something which comes back. Um, like so when people... Relationship over ambition, basically, that's... No, or, well, yes, that, that relationships can go at a cost of... Um, of of chasing your passion. Yeah. And when people ask what the risks are of chasing the passion, that is something which is that's a, pretty a high potential. Risk. Exactly. That's a p pretty high risk. Yeah. Yeah. And what I then remind myself is that at the end of the day, even if I scale this podcast and become the next Joe Rogan, mm -hmm. it's going to stop at some point. Yeah. Right. At some point, it's just going to be done. I could yeah. either be canceled or I could be just no longer interesting too old for the part too of old it, it doesn't matter like at some mm. point it's just gonna be done yeah and if i'm then sitting at home maybe in a huge house mm. with a fancy car and whatever it is yeah but i have no one to share it with yeah that's not worth then it's it, like it? what's it been what did i do it all for yeah it's a balance exactly yeah so yeah that's a, a struggle yeah fair enough yeah <laughs> Which leads to the final question. Yeah. What does the future hold for Maya? The future, well, um, maybe move out of this dumb house. No, <laughs> my little house. No, uh, the future holds. Well, I'm going to make a new uh, documentary centered around uh, the main character of my uh, old show, Appy. He was a big meme. He got millions of views on TikTok. So the, the, the interest is there. Mm -hmm. So that's on the short term, like my new project, because I do believe that I do need a project to keep uh, the fire burning, you know. Yep. And then 
build a portfolio, uh, hopefully make more shows, uh, also get a job. It's going to be a bit 60-40, uh, so that's career-wise. And yeah, for the rest of it, um, uh, you know, um, hopefully just uh, uh, be able to live in Amsterdam uh, normally, you know, not have financial worries. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe get a girlfriend at some point. But like I said, the end goal is still to become a, uh, yeah, a late night show host, basically. Yeah. Uh, but that's all career-wise, you know. Career-wise, I have it really thought out to mm-hmm. a certain extent. But the rest is kind of vague to me, to be honest. And also, I don't really know what, um, yeah, what I want or what yeah, I yeah. need, you know. Yeah. Of course, I'd like to go on a solo trip sometime mm-hmm. and, and, you know, do all that stuff. And uh, I'd be very curious to see what happens in your case if it all comes sooner than expected. Yeah. As in, let's say, in two years or even one, mm-hmm. within oh. next year something happens. You don't know. You no, don't know. You no, also no, didn't no. think your first video would no. blow up. True. So if then all of a sudden you have it all, yeah. what that does then? Yeah, maybe then I get my crisis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I do still have this picture indeed in my head that when I'm uh, uh, successful in a sense that that brings happiness, even though I know that that's not necessarily true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the process But of making... But you chase it anyway somehow. Yeah, because I like the process of making documentaries. I love going out there to wherever and have a cameraman and just, you know, go on an adventure because yeah. that's basically what it is. <clears throat> Uh, and then, but then when you get success, like it's nice, but I've tasted that a little bit now that that doesn't really numbers are just numbers. I don't really create happiness at all. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, still I go for it or something. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> so I do think that may, yeah, but it, it's, that it seems to me like, uh, a lo- not a logical thing, but I do it out of passion. Yeah. Sure, yeah. But I just know that probably it's not going to bring true happiness, you know? Mm. So, yeah, then it might be a, a quest to finding out what does. Well, I will be um, front and center to yeah. to follow along. Yeah. I'm very curious. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. And uh, this wasn't as mad as I would have expected it to be. <laughs> no, you'd expected more... Uh, Of the fucking charts uh, comments. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, fuck. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know in the comments. And if you want to stay up to date on everything from the quarter life crisis, we now have a weekly newsletter going out every Sunday. I've added the link to it in the description. You can sign up on our website. We try and give practical advice to help people get off the default path and build a life they love. And with that being said, thanks for listening again. And we hope to see you next week. 